Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes. I am Jack Kolajewski and joined tonight by Robert Anderson yep. and Bernadette Gordon. Gordon. Hello. Hello. How Hello. are you guys? Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so figure it out. We just saw a movie. Uh, we drove straight home, set this microphone up, and we're here to talk about it with our first impressions. Haven't had a lot of time to stew on this movie, and this is a movie... You might need some stew. You might need to stew on this yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. What, we, some... what we see, guys? The killing of a sacred deer. The killing of a sacred deer. Mm-hmm. You, you say it now, Robbie. The killing of a sacred deer. Nice. I thought it was killing of the sacred deer, and it's very important that it's not called of that. Right. Sacred deer. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so... This is a movie, we said we were going to look up how to pronounce the director's name beforehand. Ooh, we, we didn't not, do that. And we've already turned the microphone on, so now we have to live with our choices. That is true. I'm going to take a stab at it. Yorgos Lanthimos. I think that is fairly accurate. That's definitely the most fun way to say it. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think that's good. We all agree there. going to assume that's Greek. Um, he is, yes. Man. So, this is the director that did... The Lobster. Mm. He's also directed Dogtooth, which I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen Dogtooth. Um, I have not either. I've been meaning to get around to that. But I think we've all seen The Lobster. Yes. yes. We all have thoughts on The Lobster. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Robbie, you have a lot of thoughts on The Lobster. <laughs> yeah, I actually... Uh, so I wrote an article about The Lobster uh, back in February of this year. Um, so... I had to watch it like three times. That's I don't. I've seen that the lobster four times, um, and it was it didn't get any easier <laughs> at any point. I was watching it, and it was actually a really hard article to write, but one I was very proud of. But um, my first impression after seeing the lobster was that was cool. I never want to see that. Never, again. never have to do that twice. Yeah, I'm, let's never do that again. Um, but kind of seeing this movie so soon after the lobster. Um, it's pretty soon. It's pretty soon. I think I Lobster mean, just came out last year. Well, I think, yes. yeah, I think it, or it came out like late 2015, like overseas and then came, came here. I'm not sure. Either way, I think it's one of those movies that didn't come into the conversation until 2016. Recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, but it's cool seeing those. It's it's very interesting seeing those movies back to back and seeing um, Lanthimos. Lanthimos. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just seeing like he has a very... Most directors have a very specific style, but he definitely has one himself. Yeah, yeah. You know? He really does. That auteur coming through. Yeah. yeah. How did you feel about The Lobster, Bernadette? Uh, well, especially after watching this film, the one that we've just watched, uh, that one, now you look back and you're like, at least I had time to breathe. Yeah, the right. Lobster. At least there were moments where I wasn't just like almost gnawing my fingernails. There's some brevity in There's there. There's a lot of good humor. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. dark humor. But yeah, I really loved it. Uh, conflicted about the end. Which is good. It's mm-hmm. a good sign. Definitely. Uh, I thought it was very well acted. And I, I will say, I think The Lobster has more acting in mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. This movie does not really have a lot of acting. It's a lot of people saying words. Not that they're doing a bad job. Yeah. It's just not a lot of acting, well, per so se. I, I think I disagree with you there. Okay. Um, but at its heart, The Lobster is very much a comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would disagree with your point that they're not acting because I think they're very much acting. They're just acting in a very particular way. Like sure, sure. They are not. Right. That is not. So I think the thing that's immediately apparent about Yoros Lanthimos's directing style is that almost. And I think you said this earlier, Robbie. It's almost mm-hmm. like the anti Wes Anderson. Like the yeah. way people speak and interact with each other in Wes Anderson movies very is particular. very much. Um, it's very particular. It's very hyper realistic in a way that. 
It's it's very clever and funny and quick and smart. But the fat's almost trimmed off. It's the it, people do not sure. talk people do not talk to each other in that way. No. And I think it it feels hyper realistic in a way that you you no, people don't have regular conversations with each other in the way that they do in most Wes Anderson films. Yorgos Lanthimos's films are the kind of the opposite of that. People do not talk to each other in that way. No, for the most part, correct. It would be very abnormal for people to speak to each other and interact with each other in the way that they speak to each other in the Killing of a Sacred Deer and also in the Lobster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the Lobster, the the core the core identity of the Lobster is very much a comedy, a black one, a very very bleak, dark, yes. dark. <laughs> not and definitely like absurd comedy. Yes, none more black. Um, none more black. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a it's an absurdist like love story. Yes. Right. Whereas this seems to be like an absurdist um, thriller. Thriller. Or thriller. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's say instead, I think that with this, the longer the film progresses, mm-hmm. the acting becomes more numb. So they are acting definitely in a yeah. certain way, but it's like the symptoms of the film themselves are bleeding into how the characters even interact yeah, absolutely speak i think the acting on both films is very similar uh, in terms of like directing actors specifically i think that's yes. kind of what we're more focusing on right mm-hmm. now um whereas i think the uh the dialogue in both films can be very can be described as very like uh terse very kind of like cut and, and very dry right um but i think that in a world in the world of the lobster where it does feel like this world that's different than ours that's like almost dystopian and kind of like separate that dialogue we almost kind of like accept almost like it's like character speaking another language we're kind of like in the world that we're giving in this movie kind of feels more at home whereas in the killing of a sacred deer it seems to resemble our world Mm -hmm. um debatably though it is different because of what's happening in the movie is very outlandish and surreal um but i think that it's a little bit more jarring and a little bit weirder to see it in a movie to see it in this movie than it was in the lobster which feels so kind of worlds different than ours yeah so yeah yeah, i I think that's a good point um so just to kind of break into what this movie is because i don't think we've spent much time talking about that for those who are not in the know while we're still spoiler free here yeah this is very much a horror thriller um set very astute eye uh bernadette in (laughs) Probably set in Cincinnati. It's filmed in Cincinnati. So. Which least. is where you you're recognized from, it. Right? I'm, I'm from Cincinnati originally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it revolves around Colin Farrell, who is a cardiologist, <laughs> and his family. Um, yeah, uh, Nicole Kidman, his wife, and then his kids. I don't know the actors and actresses' name, I, but I have it up here right now. The little now. boy looks very familiar to me. Right. The boy... Um, is he well, in that Stranger Things? Is he one of those Stranger he's Things a, boys? He's, no. he's not a Stranger Thing. Oh, jeez. Um, he becomes a Stranger oof, Thing. Uh, Sonny Suljic, it looks like, is the is his son. Okay. Uh, character named Bob. And then yes. um, Rafi Cassidy, right? um, played by Kim Murphy, are his two kids. Um, and then, like I said, um, Nicole Kidman, his wife. Um, character named Anna. And then Martin is... Uh, Kind of our third party here, um, Barry Cogan. Cogan. Cogan? Who knows? Close enough. Yeah. We're good at pronouncing stuff. Um, hey. Who is recognizable from Dunkirk? Yes. Mm, he was okay. in Dunkirk. Yes. Um, 
and the kids, I'm not sure if they've been in anything else, but they're... I think uh, that young boy has. Probably, but yeah. But, um... feathery eyelashes. <laughs> yeah. And his and feathery hair. Flowy hair, yeah, yeah, exactly. I love this hair. He they're has like, great, great they're hair. They're like, you gotta cut the hair. I'm like, no. Absolutely not. Do not touch a hair on. on that boy's head. It's so perfect. Do not do that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in this... They, I mean, Nicole Kidman says it. We all have great hair. She's not wrong. Yeah. That's no, true. She's we, not they, wrong. We all have great hair. Everybody has... Everyone has Colin Farrell's hair. Is really Looks good. Great. He's always had great hair. Salt and pepper hair. Is that thick Irish hair, dude? Thick it's Irish good. salt and pepper hair. Um, and beard. Yes. That beard is so the way it's mm. it's black around like the goatee mm. area and then around he the He looks cheeks, so much like gray. a doctor and he also does. like a Teddy Graham, and I'm into both those. He's got the he's got <laughs> the dad he's, he's rocking the dad bod yes. that they yes. show in full force. I don't think you had yes. enough time to get rid of it from the lobster, because he's also pretty dead body in That's that true. one. He I had mean, to gain a lot of weight for that role. That might just be so. his speed now. He might have oh. gained that weight for the lobster and he might just be like, No, this is comfortable. I'm in Dad bod, I'm a dad. That's I can what eat I do. Pizza and like bacon for for breakfast and have this big beard and it's okay because I have great hair so that makes up for I'm still very handsome and I have an accent you have an accent Robbie Uh. (laughs) yeah I don't want to I don't think I want to see Colin Farrell go back to like in Bruges weight like almost ever because now I associate that with like oh he was so I mean that was also like Mm. 10 years ago probably right that's true he's maturing into a man we can all agree we're a fan of the dad bod yes Mm -hmm. don't change Colin don't change no he's good (laughs) keep it up Uh, Nicole Kidman also looks great Oh, yes, yeah. yeah, she really does. She's yeah. having a wonderful year too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She is. She is really good in this movie. Um, I honestly think she steals the show. In so most scenes. so yeah. So th- it's it revolves around Colin Farrell and his family. Um, you know, you learn pretty quickly that Colin Farrell is a cardiologist. Um, yeah. And something has gone wrong. He has a relationship with uh, this boy Martin, Martin. the yep. boy, um, and. Does not really give you too much to go off of. It's very purposely there. ambiguous. Yes. And the relationship are, between the two characters. Yes. Right. And there are lots of lies told in the beginning Absolutely. of the film. So you don't necessarily know what's going on. Yes. yes. Um, and I think to your point, Robbie, the lobster from the get-go, even before you go into the lobster, you know this is an absurdist world because you know that there are different rules to this world than yes. to our own. Um, whereas if you don't have a life partner, you have to, you, you have to go to a hotel and find a life partner. And otherwise you, you become an animal. Yes. This movie is very much seems is, is initially grounded in real life yes. in a way that the lobster does not share. But there is a moment where we get a very specific set of rules. It becomes surreal. Very quickly. Yeah. And then the movie changes. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and yeah. it, it, it becomes very surreal in that way. But I think, kind of to your point before, Bernadette, um, the directing style and very much the acting style, the way the actors are directed to act, mm-hmm. it almost, it feels foreign in a way. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of what I was kind of getting at before with the Wes Anderson comparison, they immediately, it, it just, it feels, everything feels off. Yeah. Right. Um, I think Twin Peaks does a really great job of doing this yeah. as well, of establishing the surrealist setting. Just by the way that people interact with each other, it just seems. I don't yeah. know if you guys got this feeling as well, but the vibes just feel different to real oh, life yeah. immediately. Immediately, well, when you have uh, the beginning of the movie where you have uh, Colin Farrell and the um, the other character who's like kind of the side 
main character. He's he's one of the other characters. He's the, the NSC. He's yes. so. I think his name is Matthew. He pl- he's yeah. His the so. character okay. name is Matthew. Uh, the actor is Bill Camp. Cool. So they're walking that. This is very beginning of the movie after kind of like this opening shot of mm, what's very, very graphic. Opening I think we'll shot. talk more about that right. after the break. But um, just to to use as an example for dialogue, they're talking about their watches, and it reminded me a lot of um. An American Psycho when they had their yeah. cards, the cards, yeah, and yeah. like I was, I and like I, I, it has Ooh. to be on purpose. I yeah. think it has to be on purpose that they're talking about this like material object in the way they're talking about it, and they're doctors. They have like life and death in their hands, and like it's the very way matter of fact, it's very matter of fact, right. and the mm-hmm. way they talk to each other is like you know it's not too unlike a sociopath to right. for someone to be performing a surgery. Where life is life and death is in your hands, and then you're talking about your watches right afterwards. Mm-hmm. After you take off your like blood soaked clothes, like it's it's very interesting. But yeah, it, it does like kind of it's so jarring to hear them talk this way that it it kind of sets up the tone of the rest of the movie. It's sure. it's disconnected, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. and it is a tone setter. Yeah, yeah. I will say when watching the Lobster, you have like Colin Farrell, you have Rachel Weisz, you have all of these well-known actors. Mm-hmm. There are a few actors in The Lobster that aren't well-known, but not many. So you kind of don't get lost in this world. Like I did watching this, there were moments, and I'm saying this was well above the likes of like Tim and Eric, but some of these <laughs> characters mm-hmm. in this film are like, where did you find these actors? Yeah, like, where did you get these they're, people? They're yeah. very unknown. Yeah. And they're bizarre, and yeah, their their language, the way their conversation flows is strange, and yeah, it's just, it just seems very different. Yeah, there's very, almost like there's different. like there's like either I can't tell if there's like no rhythm to the dialogue or there's like a really perfect strange. It is super yeah. deliberate. Yeah, the yeah. meter is yeah the cadence of this. It, everybody's just so, and it's it feels like go back to that keep going back to that comparison but like it feels like wes anderson mm-hmm. in a way where like he has a it's very particular yeah. way of getting people to speak right. um in a snappier way and this is a slow it down matter of fact short sentences everything is a statement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't emote right and there are definite moments in this film where a sentence is said and you're like that didn't connect at all to like the last sentence that was just said and then it all falls into place yeah over time yeah but it's very strange yeah and in that way, it it does a great job of establishing this uncomfortable mood and mm-hmm. tone from the beginning, and I think that just builds and builds and builds. It's a horror thriller. It is. Yeah. It is. It's horrific. It's. I think we all left we, you. There were similar shades to the mother viewing. Yeah, that we had. Yeah, we mentioned that for you, Robbie. Before that, the mics were hot, yeah. <laughs> uh, in that you just were sitting next to me and just breathing heavily the entire movie. I think the difference is... Leaning forward at the climax <laughs> and just really not having a good time. I'm an animated uh, movie watcher, what you can are. I say? Yeah. But uh, you'll know if I like something. You don't have a great poker face when it comes to watching movies. No, which is why I don't play. But uh, I can say when I left Mother, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this movie at all. I will say I have not seen Mother yet, but <laughs> continue. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, I, yeah, exactly. With this movie, I can tell you, like, I definitely enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I definitely think the movie is really good, and I and I think some of the performances, which we'll get into later, is, like, some of the best we'll see during this year, and I hope they don't get snubbed, like, a, my other favorite movie oh, of no, last no. year. They will. For sure <laughs> they, they will. will. They absolutely will. It's just, yeah. like, no one fucking gets it. Like, it's no. so good. <laughs> I think we've, we've, throughout the year, kind of touched on movies that are for the Academy. 
and movies that are not. Yeah. I don't think this movie is for the Academy. It just sucks because like it's it's like instantly on my top five movies of the year. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's or it's like I spoiler. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. This movie. Yeah. This movie in particular is one of my favorite movies of the year. Yep. For Uh, a particular breed though. But yeah. yeah, this is no King's Speech. This is no. Yeah. But this movie is very particular, <laughs> and I think that's the thing. I think that might be why. I don't know. Maybe you can speak more to why you think it's your favorite movie, like a taste of kind year. of thing. Yeah, it is a taste thing because it is so different than anything else that's come out this year. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that could be part of the reason. I don't know, Burn, if you have the same sentiment as me. Do you feel like this could be in your top? Probably. Yeah. I think that uh, when we get together for that podcast later on, we're going to have a lot of overlap, but mm-hmm. we're going to have yeah. some great dialogue and discussion. I feel like we might. I, I really hope that episode goes like in a way where like we all have very diverse that'd lists. be awesome yeah yeah we'll see. i have a couple of like weird things that i don't think you guys have seen so oh, we'll, cool. we'll get into that Ooh, that's so spicy um i uh i'm gonna have to do some soul searching before the end of the year to to write that list because it's been a fantastic year well, i yeah. have a long list of things that i have missed already this year yeah. that i knew yeah, yeah we've been on pretty on top of movies too. but we you definitely good, missed yeah. well we still i mean i still haven't seen um a bunch of movies yeah there's a lot doing of better than movies. i did in 2016 i'll tell you that right yeah now. robbie you could not do any worse <laughs> so. and i think as the movie it's <laughs> true we're trying we're trying we're getting you there i saw jaws the other day yeah. oh good yeah finally it was um good. I, <laughs> jaws is good <laughs> i knew they were gonna blow up that shark <laughs> Spoilers for Jaws. <laughs> well, yeah, they, <laughs> Too late. they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if this movie is going to make it into my top ten. Yeah, but you liked it. I did enjoy it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but this has been a rock and roll year for movies. Yeah, it's it a lot to been. think about. I think this movie also like the more even already the more we talk about it because I did not come to the microphone thinking like this is going to be one of my favorite movies of the year it's like talking about and thinking about the thinking about the performances alone is what kind of is what made me bring it up in the first place I was like damn this movie is like acted the fuck out of like it's it's good yeah yeah they really do you want to get into the performances now do you want to should we save it for like spoilery well can you talk about the performances without being spoilery Nicole Kidman's great Nicole Kidman is really, really good. Nicole Kidman I think there's particular good. scenes I wanna I wanna discuss. Okay, sure. To kind of use as like my example. Bernadette, do you have more? Uh, I was just going to say too that I think what really brings this film to the forefront is from the first shot, which we will get into. Yeah. This film is so clean. It is like a surgery. Yeah. Yeah. It is beautiful. <clears throat> Between Every the house shot and is the. Crisp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very well shot. And it's very well lighted. And yes. Yeah, I think this film overall is just an artistic piece of work, similar mm-hmm. to The Lobster, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he just knows what he's doing. He understands how to capture the scene he really wants mm-hmm. and use it to the advantage of bolstering the other scenes. I think everything together as a book is very concise. Yeah. It's immaculate. Very impressed. It's so good. And it's like, you know, it's one of those movies, it, it, you have to get to the end of it to know how you feel about the whole film. Like... You watching Thor Ragnarok, you get halfway in the movie, you're like, "This movie rocks. This is cool. <laughs> it's yeah. a cool fucking this is movie. Fun. I'm having a great time." This movie, it's like it's predicated on like we're telling you the story. Let us punctuate and end the story, mm-hmm. and then I will allow you to f- to have your opinions and feel it. But get to the end of this movie. Yeah, I also think they did a really great job with the the music. As to to it makes me so it makes me so uncomfortable. It makes you anxious. It's so good, it really it is. It is really good. The whole movie is designed to make you anxious. I mean, yeah. it's a horror thriller, but the 
kind of sweeping shots or long drawn out shots with those really terse violins Oof. or the rolling drums yeah do a really great job very Hannibal you... or like American Godsy oh absolutely Would you, what do you call it Jack noise, noise jazz. jazz it's not yeah. noise yes. jazz it's not it noise is, jazz but it it's like jazz really like kind yeah. of um uh cacophony of violins yeah. where it's just like a really high pitched whine of the violins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it almost to a point where it's too noticeable but they really like in the scenes where they want to make you uncomfortable or something is happening yeah to make you uncomfortable those violins kick in and they just it just makes all your hair stand up i yes. think if they were to just yeah use the music alone it would have been very jarring and it would have kind of taken you out of the film mm-hmm. but the fact that you see a lot of shots too where characters are speaking but you're only looking at their feet yeah or you're hearing dialogue that's taking place at a different time yeah the editing the in this movie of something is else good. They use all of those elements together. Right. And even though it is very jarring, at least it doesn't stand out and take you out of anything. Mm-hmm. You're still very much immersed in that world. Yeah. Because it's so bizarre. Yeah. All the different sounds yeah, you Yeah, there's some, there's some really good scenes of, like, uh, something happening in the forefront, and then you hear dialogue from a different time period, and then it links it together with, like, a flashback, and, like, the composition of the scenes, it's, like, this is so weird mm-hmm. time wise wise and it makes total sense mm-hmm. and it's crazy that like between it's like between like dialogue music editing and like action it's all a different happening at like different points and it like totally makes sense yeah it's, it's a feat it, it works in a way that's not confusing mm-hmm. um but i think this it's definitely scene by scene it's paced in a way where it really takes its time yeah. And we had a theater experience where the rest of the audience was not into this movie at all. No, we had um, a different kind of, yeah. And I think it's one of those movies, you know? It's, yeah. a, it's a movie where if you're not, it's so well shot and so well acted. It's gorgeous to look at. The acting is, is I mean, Colin Farrell is, is magnetic. Nicole Kidman really does an excellent job. Yeah. But if you're not into that, like if you're not looking at every scene, thinking about how it's shot and how the music is working to make you feel and how if you're not thinking about how the dialogue makes you feel uneasy or watching it critically, if you're not if you're not watching this critically, it's definitely going to be a movie that's easy to be like, there's nothing happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of experience that we had in the theater where not only were the, the people ahead of us. Let's say in a different age bracket. Yes. Okay. But not afraid to vocalize for the entire theater that it they were not having It was weird because they were time. in a much more mature age bracket, which you would <laughs> think that people who were maybe a little bit more mature would know how to be quiet during a movie. Maybe past the age where they were... Listen, we saw this movie on a Sunday afternoon, so I think there's a particular demographic that goes to see movies on a Sunday afternoon. I suppose. That's but true. they maybe were past the age of maturity and into the age where they don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> it's those people and podcasters, that's who go see the yeah, movie yeah, exactly. on a Sunday afternoon. Let's say early bird specials. Maybe their stomachs were getting the better yeah, of them. Like, something. Oh, I'm hungry. It's right before dinner. Well, maybe they're cranky. <laughs> but like, at, my point here is that it's a movie that could I could definitely see and the lobster in, in yeah, the same it could way, totally go over someone's head. It's per, like, not that it, it could go over someone's head, but it it is challenging, I would say. Yeah. In a way that like a passive I don't wanna say like, you know, you don't wanna 
Inter- you don't want to introduce like it's the a pretension pret- here. Yeah, it's the pretentious cycle that but, we have a lot on the mm, show. I, this... I don't think that uh, while the lobster is still wonderful, I think it's definitely more palatable than this. Yeah, film. this movie is not palatable no. at all. You need to come. It's a movie that could rub someone the wrong way. I think immediately, in the same way the mother could. I don't think this movie I has the did, same yeah. level of um, fingerprints all over it. That mother might have had with Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what might have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, which I think is totally valid. And I can see that. Um, but it definitely is set out to make you uncomfortable in a similar way. Yeah. I think it's effective in that way. But I could also see how it could push a lot of people away with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it just... It pushed those people away, and they they didn't like it. But I mean, one it, person got up and left about halfway. Yeah, through. exactly. And like you know, it just um, it's fine. It it kind of sucks for them. I got to see a movie that I like really liked and made an impact on me, and that's what I paid for. That's good. <laughs> Fortunately, their rudeness during the movie did not entirely <laughs> uh, ruin your experience. In no, it. I thought I definitely wanted to yell at them, but I'm like, it's just not, you know. Yeah, I think it was good, Robbie, that I really enjoyed that you really didn't know anything going into this film. Mm-hmm. I really and didn't. I think that yeah. works for a podcasting level. I think that's great. But yeah, I feel like people like the viewers that we were with. Maybe they should do some more research. Should have looked into what they were seeing. This was going to be for them. Yeah. Right. Not. It's almost like I think we consume so much media that like like us three at this table and like probably a lot of people who do stuff with story screen. We consume so much media. We like kind of can get things spoiled for us or where you can see things that we kind of analyze and understand i think for the the casual movie going audience like i think you should always do some research vote with your dollar right you know i but for us it's kind of like well we're gonna see it because like we we want to see if it's good or not but we also want to avoid things so we can kind of go in fresh but i i also think in the moment seeing this movie we can be enraptured by the way this movie looks and yeah. that can get us through an otherwise very uncomfortable movie. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, the appreciation. Is whereas the roof. someone who's not, again, I want to be careful with the way I word this, uh, but someone who doesn't have the eye for that. Yeah. Or they're be, not looking. You could know? be off put just by how deliberately paced this movie is mm-hmm. um, and kind of feel like it's there's not a lot happening. The, I, the guy in front of us la- very loudly said, like, yeah. why doesn't somebody shoot somebody? <laughs> oh, and it's like, that's not the movie that this is, and you should no. know that going in. Yeah, it's right. like, what did you, would you just see the name on the board? And you're like, <laughs> killing of know. Uh, sacred deer. What's happening? We'll sure, see that. See I'm that. here. It's about 425. This movie starts in five minutes. What's going on? Let's see this. <laughs> I don't like that movie with the big it's, green guy and the guy from Nordic mythology, so I guess I, we'll do this. I well, think that's the asterisk I would put on this movie, and then, if anything. Yeah. Same with the lobster. I mean, yeah. the lobster yeah. is not something I would recommend my mom go see. You know? No, it's not a no. movie for everybody. Oh, that poor party when they were leaving. Oh, well, your your cousin picked this out. Yeah, who picked I this one, huh? I can't be blamed yeah, for this. You should be like, yo, you, Mr. Cousin, come with us. Yeah. yeah we're doing you can a hang sh- out with us. We're doing buddy. a show. Yeah, you want to come talk? <laughs> People listen to us talk about this shit. And they can listen to you. We want to hear what you actually want to say. No one's going to listen to you with the group you're with. <laughs> um. So that said, are you guys ready to break into some break into plot specifics? Actual stuff? So ready. Sure, cool. and Robbie, maybe we Sweet. can watch the, can... the trailer as well. And then yeah. what think of that. Too. You can refill our wines and uh, and we'll take Go a quick there. break. Yeah, the glass of wine is what made me realize it's going to be in my top five. <laughs> mm. The wine helped. 
And we have a whole other bottle That's to drink. Fair. Doesn't it always help? It All right, so help. we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. We'll be back after the ad break uh, with some spoiler talk. So stay spoiler tuned. Talk. Gorman. Thank you so much for listening to another great hot take. We should definitely talk about Thanksgiving coming up. It's November. We're putting about a ton of great stuff on the site. All of the writers are trying to gather up some energy to write about their thankful piece. Something that they're really thankful for, whether it's a film, whether it's a television show, something that touched them in like the story screen realm that they love and they want to write about. Also, Check out a piece that I just wrote about Aladdin. Aladdin's turning 25 years old this year. So please go and check that out. It's about childhood and how you move past uh, 25 years of watching Disney films and how you realize how it helped you mature into who you are now. So thanks so much, and we'll get back at it. And we're back. Some spoilers. Spoiler, Berta has the good clap. I'm taking that. Yeah, her claps are Her good. claps are good. I don't Not the bad clap. You don't, you definitely, <laughs> definitely don't have a bad clap. That's for sure. You don't have a bad Nobody clap. I hear it gets a so, little... Um, <laughs> we got uh, fresh glasses of wine here, and we're ready to break into some spoilers. Mm-hmm. So most of the bottle left, okay? We're the killing of a sacred bottle of wine. Hey! Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo-hoo! A clink. A clink. Clink. Cheers. There we go. Cheers. Cheers. Um, so I don't think you do the. I think we probably are all pretty anxious to talk about the opening of this movie mm-hmm. because it really sets the tone. Whew, they yeah. fucking dive in and show you something. It starts with a heart surgery. Yeah, and a very close up of a pulsating heart. I don't right. know if if you guys thought about this in the moment, but that had to be real, right? I would imagine so. That had to be a real open heart surgery, right? I don't. Know I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I think it, I think you can simulate things but like that. What's but... the point of going out of your way to making like makeup and making that like a not real open heart surgery, like when, a shot of a yeah. not real open heart surgery? When you can where maybe you can just, just get a shot, get a shot of an open yeah. heart surgery, right? But fuck. Is that not a way to set you off guard from the very opening scene of a movie? I don't know. How did you guys feel about that? Because I was just like, this is, there's a level of intensity to an image that graphic yeah. that I don't think you can reproduce without it being real. So mm-hmm. it, maybe it's not real and they did a really good job of doing that. But For sure. Yeah. Like to just show a, a, an an open heart, like the open chest cavity is like. I think more off-putting than any level of graphic violence you can show in a movie. Mm-hmm. Well, the movie, like, you know, that it's it gives you the title and some credits, and then it's just black mm-hmm. for a good, like, like a long 60 seconds. Like, you feel quiet every... 60 seconds, too. Quiet 60 seconds. And you're not even hearing, like, there's no heartbeat sound. There's none of that. It's, like, a very, like, you know, it's kind of what the soundtrack is. It's very orchestral, very... You sparse, know, also. sparse, um, loud, yeah, um, and it's just music, and then you see the heart, and then it's like the slow, kind of uh, pan out or zoom out of the heart, and it's it's intense. I mean, the way I felt about it, um, you know, the shots gruesome. It it sets the tone for the movie, um, but it's like controlled gruesome. 
the way it's framed. It's clinical. It's clinical. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of what the movie it's literally is about. Clinical. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I was much more kind of impressed with like what followed after it kind of immediately where it was like coming out of the heart, taking off the gloves, the blood, the blood so close, like taking all that off of you and then going right to a scene where you're talking about your watch with somebody. Right. right. It's that kind of like trilogy of scenes that like really hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of spoke about it in the spoiler-free chunk of it, but it's like that's why I got such American Psycho vibes because oh, like yeah. they're they're giving you something so visually, viscerally emotive, and then just as quickly we're talking about our watches, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that's the kind of disconnected feel that is pervasive throughout yeah, this entire definitely movie on purpose because it's so visceral is a great word yeah it's an overused word in some cases but for Thank this you. in this no, I think, I think, <laughs> I'm kidding I know I think the the word has a lot of impact taken away from it because maybe this is more of a video game thing but like yeah it becomes sure. a lazy word but I think it's totally appropriate here because it's actual viscera um, mm-hmm. on Correct. the screen and it's used to an effect where you you have this like really jarring image and then moments later like you said they take all that off those gloves come off yep. and then it is so disconnected and so material mm-hmm. and seemingly this unimportant conversation that happens right after well it's like it gets it just gets uh kind of thrown out and it's something yeah. that you see on a different level the characters gradually experience and become more mm-hmm. and more disconnected from this very visceral thing that's happening yeah. to them well it's got these like really great three scenes that you see at the very beginning of the film yeah what you see is something granted people get heart transplants that is obviously something that happens in our world yeah but you do get this very honest and open shot of something that typically you only get once of in your life you only get one heart typically mm-hmm. yeah as like a, the general public and then you get a second shot or second scene of him removing the surgical garb Gowning. and throwing yeah. it away mm-hmm. he sees that every single day of his life mm-hmm. you see a human heart that you can't really throw away or if you lose it it's gone and then you see him taking off the garb that has the blood of the person that you just operated on which he does every day yeah in a very numbing way almost mm-hmm. and then you see them talking about a clock which takes the time like it's talking about yeah what can this watch do for you? Oh, it has the time. Oh, it tells you the day. How long can it be in How water? How water resistant is it? Yeah. Exactly. So you have these three juxtapositions of <clears throat> things that are used in different circumstances, but also in very similar fashions. Mm-hmm. Things that just kind of become ingrained in the days in and days out of your life. Well, and I think it, it parallels the way that the action in this movie happens where they're presented with a very horrible situation. And over the course of the movie it becomes normalized to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a surreal situation that they're presented with a horrific one and they internalize it and they normalize it. And they, there's that same level of disconnectedness that Colin Farrell's character has with a surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. And by the climax of the movie where he has to make this decision, it, yeah. he makes it as clinical as possible. What I really enjoyed about this film, I think probably my favorite thing about this film, is how we don't know if these rules apply 
to everyone mm-hmm. in this world or just or if they only apply mm-hmm. in this certain specific instance because the, the mm-hmm. anesthesiologist eh, anesthesiologist Anesthesiologist. Yes. It's a hard one okay. to say. I don't think one. I could say it. Especially a couple of <laughs> times. It gets tougher. Yeah. And the cardiologists are always talking about how it's never my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's their fault. Passing and then the, the uh, and at first the, the first time it happens, you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like they don't want to take blame or they're right. just kind of passing it off as like a professional joke. But then later on, you hear it echoed back, and you're thinking. God, do these rules apply to everyone? Right. No one wants to take blame for a death because then it affects their family in a certain way. And I think that's <clears throat> maybe one of the central themes of the movie. But do we want to really quick touch on like what is actually going on here? Sure. Just to reiterate, we're in spoiler territory now, so we're yeah. like actually talking about what happens. But go for it. The main idea of this movie is that Colin Farrell, again, is a uh, cardiologist. He has a relationship with this kid. Boy, named Martin. Martin. Mm-hmm. That we find out... Um, his father was one of Colin Farrell, whose character's name is Stephen, um, one of Stephen's patients. Yeah. And Stephen was a drinker who has since become clean. Three years, Probably I because think. of this situation. Yeah. Yes. But Stephen was drinking and operated on a patient, and that patient died. And that was Martin's father. And now Martin is set, has had... Stephen felt bad for Martin and mm-hmm. had a relationship with him, kind of like a surrogate father to him, mm-hmm. um, but also has his own family. Right. And at the start of this movie, Stephen is starting to pull away from Martin and spend less time with Martin because the relationship is getting too close. Or weird. And he started yeah. this relationship out of pity. And and his lies are kind of crossing back exactly. on themselves. Yes. Now. Yes. Yeah. It's It's... He has lied to Stephen has lied to his family um, about mm. this relationship that he has with Martin, probably because of his guilt that he feels for the reason that he has this relationship with Martin. Right. Um, and Martin effectively <clears throat> has put a curse on Stephen and tells him that yeah, your family's going to die. It's going to start by their limbs paralysis. becoming numb, mm-hmm. paralysis. Then they're going to refuse to eat. And then their eyes are going to bleed, and then they're going to die. So that those are like the rules that you were talking unless about. Unless you choose that you, unless, to murder one, to murder one, otherwise they all die. To make it fair, to make it yeah. even, to settle the score. You took one of mine. I got to take one. It's of yours. an eye for an eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think what you see over the course of this movie is Stephen and his family coming to terms with these rules, and manipulating each other well yes in the way but also like internalizing them and separating themselves from the emotional aspect of this situation justifying it almost right yeah it becoming clinical in the same way that a surgeon and an anesthesiologist need to go to their job every day and operate on people and Mm -hmm. in many cases lose lives but separate themselves from it from the emotional aspect of that there's right. a lot of duality at play. I mean, the fact that he... I was just thinking... I'm thinking a lot about the watches and how he gets uh, Martin the same watch as the anesthesiologist who he blames for the death. Correct. But, like, it's really but, but the fact that they... Or just, may, you know, uh, maybe, maybe knows? not. But yeah. they're, well, but no they're definitely... No one to take the blame. No one take the blame. But, they're, but, like, time, like, heartbeats and time is so linked together that, like, you know, Martin and Steven are, like linked together almost like via heartbeat almost via like 
seconds. Mm-hmm. They're always right. kind of linked together. They're always and they are eye for an eye, which is like makes some of the later like metaphors and imagery and like the bite for a bite kind of like so much more powerful. I just was thinking about like changing the armband and like the the actual just like the watch itself. Time is very important to this movie mm-hmm. for sure. I love um, that. Yeah, he gets him one with like the metal wristband. And Martin says he wants to change it out for the leather, and he was like, "But metal lasts longer." Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're changing up exactly what I'm trying to impart on you. Trying mm-hmm. to give you this thing, right? Which parallels the conversation that he had with his anesthesiologist mm-hmm. right before, where he mm-hmm. says, "Oh, I prefer the metal because it's it's more hard wearing." Mm-hmm. <sighs> this, ugh, this. Yeah, movie. I think there's a there's a lot to this. There's a lot, yeah. and I think you know, I think we're all kind of just. Starting now we're starting to take the onions off, or peel mm-hmm. the onion, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. As Shrek would say. Right. Our good friend Shrek. Right. Your best friend. I'm my best friend. Shrek I love, I love Puss in Boots. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's my favorite. The best character ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, getting into a little bit of, like, the meteor performances, for sure. Uh, a very telling scene in the beginning of the film is the... The way maybe Nicole Kidman's character, Anna, entices her husband into sex is by laying limp. And yeah. yeah. That's uh, something that they I thought was going to be more of something that the movie like spent more time on. Yeah, I thought so too. Well, it comes up three times. <coughs> mm-hmm. It comes up when Nicole Kidman does it first and then uh, uh, Colin Farrell responds with some smooches and potentially some sexy Yes. Um, right. Well, they, they drive home. That's how he gets off. That's how he gets off. That's how right. he does his thing. And then they show the daughter do it for Martin in a later scene. Um, they're kind of snuggly. And then she's like, let's get down to business. <laughs> to and defeat, defeat this cunt. Oh, <laughs> oh, she did it. She did wow. it. Wow. It's there. Sorry, guys. Wow. This is an R-rated movie. This is an R-rated podcast. Yeah. So. That's true. No one dare edit that out. I saw, it's, I saw it's, a fun and I went for it. it. That's, be, it. that's beautiful. Oof. I'm sweating. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, so, 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 so the daughter does it again. Right, and she, so, <laughs> so she she takes off her clothes and she lays down on the bed limp. Yes. Right. And I think... It's because she maybe maybe she saw... you know It's like hearing your parents have sex or like right. not fully understanding sex. She clearly... She unless got that the, from somewhere. Yeah, right? unless the world, <laughs> the rules of this world is really different. That's how everyone does it. I don't think so. Um, and then it comes up again for the third time, kind of you know, almost like the the final act of this kind of symbol, right? Um, where Nicole Kidman does it again, where they kind of are really trying to justify. Uh, I guess it's their son's death. They're really talking about being like, well, we right. can have another kid, mm-hmm. right? He's the youngest. We can have another child i know it sounds fucked up but like we could do that and then she lays again limp like that but uh conferral does not respond does not respond right because because martin gave uh steven a choice he has to kill one of his family he has to choose which of his family he kills yeah it could also be nicole kidman right Mm -hmm. so i i also think there is some metaphors at play with with his family um and specifically their relationship to sex or the relationship to sex that he has with Nicole Kidman and the way that they're viewing sex in that they have to be. And it's in the title with killing of a sacred deer. It is the sacrifice of this vulnerable um, animal. And I think 
I'm still processing this, and this is where it comes in as a hot take. Is like, yeah, it. Women in this movie are seen as as passive in a way. Like that's how how Colin Farrell's character gets off is she needs to be laying there limp, and that's how yeah. his daughter. Whether she's seen her parents do this, which is maybe a darker idea, or like it's an implicit, like subconscious way that she feels like she lays there limp for Martin. Yeah. When she's trying to engage with him sexually. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still haven't maybe made that connection of why the movie is saying this, but it is, they are there for the taking or there for the slaughter. Like his family is waiting for him to decide which of which of the three he's going to kill. Yeah. And in the same way the women in this movie are there passive for the taking when it comes to a sexual interaction. There's also a lot of uh, art in their household mm-hmm. of figures laying limp. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which yeah, makes you wonder if that is just in this world, this is how people are represented mm-hmm. or if it's not much and yeah, there's yeah. like striking a specific purpose for right. what they're saying. It's hard to say. I mean, I think it's, I really like kind of Jack's interpretation um, of it kind of being like lamb for the slaughter almost. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I was just had the thought, like, why is it not called Killing of a Sacred Lamb? Yeah. Oh. That doesn't have as good of a ring to it, I think I it's because, like, but deer, I think, much... I think deer kind of has more of, like, a, because it's, I think deer has more of a connotation of, like, like, the animal that, like, is allowed to be hunted in a way, or... Uh, I'm not really entirely sure why a sacred deer and not I a sacred lamb. I think that there's actually some, like, mythology at play yeah. in this, but yeah. it, I'm unaware of it, so Same. I can't comment on it. I'm aware, unaware of it as well, but I know that there is Greek mythology that parallels this. Okay. Or this is paralleling, um, because I saw that come up in the context of this. I didn't read anything yeah. into it because I wanted to go into this. I mean, there's color, like but... kissing of the feet that happened too. Yep. there's some, yeah. there's some, there's definitely... imagery that's like, this is requires more deep diving. This has into... something to do with a story that none of us are, are currently with. aware of. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't know if we can like fully decipher what's really at play with like the going limp kind of like sex kink that's happening. Um, what does she say when she asks him which pose to take? Aesthetic line? Is no, she, she says oh. topical anesthetic. Topical anesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's no, general anesthetic? General anesthetic. Yeah. General anesthetic is when you're basically just put to sleep. Right, like right. Out. Yeah. And uh, maybe that uh, speaks to his profession as well. I mean, maybe it's it's maybe kind it's all of... linked in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the movie's a lot about, like, disassociating, like, emotions from doing what needs to be done. So maybe, like, sex as, like, a, well, I gotta have some sex, so let's kind of take the emotive part out of it. Can I have you just lay there? It's kind of like a, making, like, sex surgical or sex clinical in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's because it's what surrounds their lives, because they're both in the medical field. Right. Or just maybe, you know, I, I think she seems totally cool with it, too. Um, she asks him like what pose, and she like is down with it. So I, you know, right. I don't want to kink shame anybody. No, <laughs> but I think it's definitely it raises a lot of questions um, in the film. Right. I think generally, when I'm thinking about the female characters that are present in this film, mm-hmm. you have Anna, you have Kim, the daughter, and then you really only have Matthew's wife for one scene, but she doesn't have any speaking lines. Right. And then you see the choir of children singing at Kim's school, 
and there are other women, females, children in the room as well. Right. But yeah, we don't really get a greater contextual understanding of how women are in this society. Yeah. Because you don't really have the characters. Oh, and of course, uh, Martin's mom, too. Mm-hmm. But she seems a lot more aggressive. Maybe it's because she's uh, experienced a death in her family. Yeah. changes the rules. I mean, she clearly... I mean, I think it, she knows who's responsible for the death as well. And oh, it's this yes. man, right? So I think that's like a whole other... Quest. I mean, you know, the movie, the movie, I think, is surreal. I think it's... Um, it's absurd a lot of the way, like, the lobster is. And what I mean by absurd is not just, like, in the word sense, but in the way of kind of the genre of absurdism, the art form of absurdism where, you know, things can happen without reason. Right. Simply put. Like, right. things can, like, you know, people can have dialogue where it's, like, sentence, you see a lot of, um, I, I wrote about this in my lobster article, um, but, like, in in theater, there is a big movement in absurdist kind of theater and absurdist plays. And you have characters like, you know, um, Waiting for Godot is a really good example where yes. you have you have characters talking to each other and it almost like makes no sense. But it, right. through it not making sense, you try to kind of perceive what sense it makes. And that's kind of the absurdism of it all. And, that's um, how I feel about Donnie Darko. Right? Oh, hey, we got to talk. We can talk more about that yeah. later. Um, but it, that's that's I, I think that's like a lot of what's at play in this movie where I do think that. Rome was giving like volleyballs meant to be served, but they go into the abyss, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, weird analogy, but I t- I totally stand no, by it. That yeah. made sense. Um, no, I think if this film was made before The Lobster, I wouldn't be looking for all these weird rules of the society. Right. But because we saw The Lobster first, and we're like, oh, okay, they're setting up a very rigid structure of what it means to live in this society. And then since we're kind of left in the dark in this film yeah. about what the rules are, I'm attributing all these weird things. Like, if you experience a death in the family, does that mean you don't get to be numb anymore? You mm-hmm. get to be a little more active, a little yeah. proactive. I think that... Because she's definitely, like, trying yeah. to, like, poach his character, essentially. For like, sure. He could be the sacred deer in that circumstance. Like, mm. I get you mm-hmm. now that you've murdered one of mine. Mm-hmm. I, I think that... The film, I think that in The Lobster, where it is kind of a dystopia, and it's kind of hammered home by having, like, you see kind of, like, rebel sex to the rules. You see policing of the rules. Like, even when they go to the mall into the real world, you see, like, actual kind of, like, coupling police officers being like, where's your marriage papers? In this world, I think that the the curse and the kind of framework of what's happening to the family is strictly what's happening with the family. I don't, I, I, you know, I mentioned before that there could be some greater rules happening in the, in the film. And like, I'm open to that interpretation as well, but I do think that it's for all intents and purposes in our worlds, but there's this curse happening to this family. And there's these rules with that curse happening to this family. It's a isolated incident, so to speak. Okay. So you see Matthew, as another doctor who is responsible for lives, not wanting to take the responsibility for murder, just as we would in our world. Like, no one wants to say, like, that is my responsibility. Yeah. I took that life. Well, he, he, he faces no guilt. He, so What right, he boils right. it down to, and I think you see this in the in the scene where he actually chooses to, he finally chooses to kill one of his family members. Yeah. He makes it as clinical as possible. He like, does. he tries to He tries to take the guilt out of it by... Leaving it a chance. Put, exactly. Yeah. He puts he puts on a 
um, ski mask. A mask. He binds and blind, blindfolds the three of his family. He takes a gun and he spins around in a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the most clinical way you could make that decision. And you see him trying to make that decision throughout the movie. Yeah. Right. As soon as he learns this rule that he needs to kill one of his family members, he's trying, he, and it, it's like, it's culminated in the scene where he goes to the school of his children. Oh my oh gosh. Gosh. <laughs> that was probably the most like lobster-esque. Very lobster-esque. That is, yeah. Yeah. yeah very that lobster-esque. one's like the most crazy. That's where it becomes scene. comedic in the way that he's yeah. like, um, so, uh, Bob and, uh, what was Kim. the daughter's name? Kim. Yeah. Kim. Bob and Kim, um, how are they doing in school? Uh huh. Is is one doing any better than the other? Okay. Are, are either of them having like trouble in class? Like, have there been any instances of trouble? Uh, if, if, if you, you had, had to pick a favorite, <laughs> like he he really just tries uh-huh. to remove. And I think the movie is it's so dark, and it's in the same way as the lobster. Like, yeah, it's so removed and mm. so emotionless that it almost plays like a comedy. Like, it is a a dark thriller but it does play a little bit like this is so absurd that like and yeah. there's so matter of fact speaking to each other is like am i supposed to laugh at this i think or the movie's aware be... of its humor yeah yes, i think so more so than other movies where you see something kind of weird happen you're like you kind of like laugh out of fear right like this movie's kind of like you can laugh here but this is like the, the movie what it is what it is like it, it's not too concerned with how you feel right right you know um i i did so I really wanted to know what the Greek connection, the oh. Greek mythology yeah, connection. Yeah, so spent some time, doing, spent a little some time doing a little googling, letting yeah. you guys kind of talk on your own. It's we did all we did all right. We yeah, had a, we had a good rap. We did great. Um, <laughs> it's Iphigenia. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong as oh. well, or Iphigenia. Um, okay. In Greek mythology, and this is uh, let me cite Wikipedia, <laughs> upsetting all oh, of my high school I'm and sorry. college I've, teachers by. I've heard Wikipedia. of the Wikipedia. You might have heard of this website. Um, in Greek mythology, Iphigenia. Was a daughter of King Agamemnon and Queen Clement Clitemenstria. Clit? What? Is that really? Can't say that on the radio. Sure. Yeah. Clitemenstria. 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 Yeah, that's. That sounds like two words put together. Thus, a princess. Well, you know, Kim got her first period during this film. That is forgot about that. We'll come back to that. Let me finish this. Oh, I'll come back to that. Uh, and thus a princess of Argos, Agamemnon offended the goddess Artemis, who retaliates by commanding him, this is probably where the parallel is, mm. to kill Iphigenia as a sacrifice so he can, so his ships can sail to Troy. In some versions, Iphigenia is sacrificed at Aulis, but in others, Artem- Artemis rescues her. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So, I, you know... I only have the most basic understanding we all do of now. why <laughs> this has a parallel, but it's come up a lot. This is like this movie is uh, paralleling some that real Greek mythology. mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe less implicitly than uh, mother mother does with Christian mythology, but sure. um, but yeah, you definitely do have like Martin and the kissing of the feet. Like he kind of becomes a god in this situation. Of yeah, how things are going. Well, they they out. worship He's, him out of fear, kind of. And you know, like, he seemingly has, and I think this is where it becomes kind of absurdist. And yeah, yeah he, he has 
control over the situation. And Colin Farrell's character even like addresses it directly in the scene where he sort of has like a breakdown. Maybe the only show of emotion really that you get throughout this entire story where, the where they're in the kitchen and he is having a discussion. It's definitely the biggest spurt of emotion. Yes. He feels anger because they're, you know, even when, or despair because like even when, um, and not, not to push you off. Yeah. Like when he's trying to make his son walk and it, it's a horrible scene. Aww. Not horrible. It, it, it's a great scene, but it's, it makes you feel horrible when he's just, he's just like, you can walk now. You can walk. And he's kind of like, let's go for a walk. Pantomiming his son walking and just dropping him. Just right. being like, stop with the act. Just do it, and it's not working because he can't. And he sh- he shows frustration at this yeah. situation where he's completely helpless. He has no he has no control over the situation other than what Martin has has given him mm-hmm. um, and outlined for him. And that this is happening. There's no explanation for why this is happening, and he struggles with that throughout. Where he just keeps he keeps hammering these tests. He keeps you, you see him draw fluid from his son's spine. Yeah, which is dangerous, by the way. Right. Like that is not that is a risky. Procedure, yeah, to to do, or even on. shoving a donut in his mouth, like yeah, you know, because he's, he's so frustrated by how, in a different different from the lobster and how everybody in the lobster is sort of complicit in the rules. You are complicit, or you are rebelling, exactly. Correct. Yeah, Correct. but he is frustrated by the absurd rules that have been placed on him in this situation. He's a man of science, right? Yeah, and he's he's like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this kid? able to do this to my family yeah and he he comments on that directly where he says uh to nicole kidman's character like oh i guess we'll just get some fucking teeth like you know tongue of do, newt do and, you have any uh, pubes where yeah, are the pubes like, i need some pubes, pubes. <laughs> yeah yeah uh well robbie that scene with the the walking and having his son fall on the ground uh, multiple yes, times yes uh, i think that really speaks to the materialism manifested in this film I think Steven's character has been so concerned for years in that awful secret he tells his son about worrying Holy about shit. his masturbation. Oh my god! And like helping his dad masturbate while he was asleep. And that just, give is, that, just give him my hand. That came bizarre. out of fucking nowhere. Absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah. But I think that scene in particular really speaks to Steven's idea of what he should be presenting to the world. Mm-hmm. And then once his life starts to go askew, it's the presentation he's necessarily worried about. Right. He has the beautiful home. He has the perfect family. Gorgeous home. Uh, yes. Yeah, he's managed to kick the drinking, so he's like on the up and up for that as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hearing that scene about him being concerned about his own ejaculation to the point where he had to go and test his father's ejaculation... Is clinical. Absurd. It's clinical. It's, very it's clinical. always yeah. That's that keeps true. coming and like we really didn't. I, I until Jack kind of initially brought it up. I haven't necessarily thought about it in that light, but that's that definitely seems to be what what's at play is kind of the the clinical sterile nature. Yeah, I think that's one of the core themes of this film is the compartmentalization that a surgeon would have have yeah on operating and taking the lives of their patients into their own hands every day. On the job. Because it's their job to, to literally take someone's life into their yeah. hands. And when it comes down to... Beautiful hands. His beautiful hands. His they, beautiful they, hands, they, yeah. they reinforce that over and over again. You oh, have yeah. such beautiful hands, but all doctors do such clean, life. beautiful hands. Because Ooh. he's taking patients' lives into his hands every day. And he has to compartmentalize that. Because that's just a matter of fact. Is and, that uh, yeah. not every operation goes correctly. 
And he further compartmentalizes that by saying a surgeon never kills a patient. Yeah. It's an anesthesiologist that kills a patient. And then Martin is serving as vengeance towards Stephen's character because Stephen was at fault because he drank that day. Yeah. And he's paying for that. And he's he's setting up this this absurd situation because he's paying for he he spent all this time compartmentalizing that loss because he knows he's directly at fault for it. Yeah. Right. And he's tried to pay for that loss. He's become sober. He is he is still having a relationship with Martin because he feels bad and he admits to that guilt. It seems like the guilt's the only he either is trying to cut the guilt like a tumor out of him very clinically, right. or it's the only thing that can't be clinically taken care of, so he's taking care of it in a more emotive way, which right. is like, well, I guess I'll just fucking throw money at you. Right. I'll buy you a watch. I'll be your friends. We'll go get dinner. I'll buy it for you. Right. Like, right. And and Martin is, is somewhat portrayed as the um, antagonist in this movie. Is He's the one doing this to... to somewhat yeah to steven's family but at the same time he's the one who was wrong first exactly yeah. like mm-hmm. he is at fault for what happened to martin's father and he can very much be blamed for the death of martin's father it's it's, it's impossible to know because right. the surgery could have gone but he could have been way. he's yeah. there to be like i'm not the bad guy i'm just kind of like the the status quo evener exactly so you can sure. beat the shit out of me if you want to but I'm gonna, or I'm gonna bite your arm. I'm gonna do it to me because I'm trying to explain to you the situation. Right. What's happening? You gotta balance things. Right. I'm sorry. And you need to you deal know? with that guilt and that fault yeah. that right. you took. And with the movie being as inherently clinical as it is, it really drives home the point that like Stephen is trying to distance himself right. from this fault that he made, and right. Martin is not letting him. Right. How do we feel as well about maybe discussing Stephen's sexuality? Because okay. at the beginning yeah. of the film, his and Martin's relationship is very obtuse. We don't necessarily know what is happening. I think it's a red herring. I think they definitely want you to think that think there so? is some sort of sexual relationship going on between sure. the two. And then but I don't the think The secrecy they're... between it, I mm-hmm. think, whether it's a red herring or not, I yeah. think it is... It is trying to it's on purpose. that in a yes. way. You think so? I think it's definitely okay. on purpose. Because even later on during the film, when you're starting to realize how materialistic he is as a mm-hmm. person, that he is trying to portray this perfect family to the world, and his aversion to his son's long hair, he says, you need to get that haircut, you need to be a boy. Right. It's it, And then his experience with his father and his experience with measuring up to other men. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a, I think it could be argued either way. The evidence yeah. is, is there, there, like you said. Yeah. Homosexuality there. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely towards the beginning, though, I do think they're trying to make you believe that it is some kind of relationship. And I think on, it's... Like I, sexual relationship. Yeah, and men. I think it's like... I, I originally interpreted it, um, or I think an interpretation of it could be that it's... You know, I think a lot of this film is, it's a lot of misdirection, and the film is actively kind of trying to, kind of like, like a magician kind of shows you one thing while they're doing other stuff in the other, in the background. Mm-hmm. Right, right, The right. film's trying to do that a lot until, and it, that's why it's so brilliant, the way they give you the rules of, like, what's happening in the movie. I'm not going to keep you too long, Yeah, but... he's like, okay, okay, I'm not going to, like, I'll just, I'll just tell you what's happening. If you want me to rush through it, I'm going to tell you what's happening. 
you fucked me over. I gotta. I'm not trying to fuck you over, but that's just kind of what's happening right now. This it is what's to gonna happen. happen. It needs to. Happen. It needs to happen. If if you don't do this, this is what's gonna happen to your son, and then it's gonna happen to the rest of your family. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll get out of your hair. I'm sorry. And like, it, it happens in like, like a less than a minute. Mm-hmm. The entire second and third act is is this is what's happening. This is what the movie's about. I think I'll Take speak it. for all three of us where we were kind of like holding our breath during that. Scene, oh, absolutely. Where it was like, oh shit, this is it. This, this is, is the. This happening? is. We knew it was coming. We were a, waiting yeah. for something a, like this. Yeah, in a way, it's like explained. it's exposition. In a way, it's like it's not the inciting incident because it, it happens before. Right. With like the sun kind of falling, it's, I would imagine some of the small bit of exposition that you actually get in this movie. Oh yeah. It's yeah. like this is what's happening. Not much at all. Yeah. And I, and that's why it's like it's so cool that they kind of summed it up in like thirty seconds. They're just like hey, this is what it is. Yeah. And it's, it's great, great how, Mar- it's so how Martin's character is like. All right, you don't have time for me. I get it, but like I have to tell you this. So you gotta figure because yeah. you're gonna be real lost. I have to listen to this. You're gonna waste a lot of money on these tests and stuff. This is what's happening. Just figure yeah. it out. Just kill one of them. Well, because he told them multiple times too. He was like, "You can't keep putting me off. Like I have yeah. to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Like don't blow me off like you did the other day in the diner." Um, he is such a good actor. That kid. Oh, I, you know, he? holy shit! I was thinking about that. Like in that Dun- incredible in Dunkirk, his role is pretty minor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sort of you know, not an afterthought, but like the, uh, most of he's the acting, the forefront. most of yeah. the acting in Dunkirk is fairly understated. Mm-hmm. I would, I'd, I I'd think agree. It's fair to, it's fair to say, yeah. but, um, he Which for sure is the like, realism of that he, film. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It leads um, to it. But wow. Does he get a chance to shine in the, this movie? The thing is like the scene where he's eating the spaghetti, I could see like, you know, when like in the Oscars, when they like. They show you clips of each person's like who's like about to like who, each nominee's like yeah. movie. Absolutely, that scene of him eating the spaghetti is like the one to show. Give if you, you That's give it. it to him. Yeah, give it to him. We've seen a lot of movies this year. That scene, I'm blown away. Yeah, absolutely blown away, dude. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. That kid's that kid's acting on some like next level shit. Did like, you, it's crazy. Oh, did yeah. you? He very much gave me um, shades of Joel Edgerton, like oh, a, you a so? young version of Joel Edgerton, a little bit. You think so? Did you get that? At nah, all? I don't know. He reminded but... me like in the way the like cadence and rhythm of his voice, and he is a British actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and doing an American accent, which mm-hmm. at first I was a little bit. I'm always a little bit um, critical of that and cynical yeah. towards that kind of thing. But, but like, as, as the movie went on, it gets better. It it. I was like, all right. Also, because fine. you don't really know if he is affected mentally or right. You, know, you don't really That's know if he's like, like on a spectrum or is, something. Because even yeah, and they really hammer that home. Even, even Stephen says like he's kind of weird. He's a little weird. Yeah, right. And yeah. That's, that's like, is this your vocal affectation of you putting in the effort of doing an American accent, or is that like an aspect of your character that it's like? Right. A more strained, and I think that's like I think a, you learn later in the movie that it's a aspect a, a Yorgos thing. Like yeah. the directing of the acting in this movie is like it's a very deliberate kind of way. Of it's speaking. like he he right. has like a you know he has like a stutter or he'll repeat his words poetically. The repetition and it almost seems, during the spaghetti scene, dude. This so the good. spaghetti scene is I'm the telling you is like wild. Yes. Some wild acting and that's, chops on that's that like kid. That's like a directing no-no of having people actually eat food on camera. Yeah. Which well, do you notice he, do, he doesn't really eat food, though. Because he kind of like he fake noms mouth he, a little he bit. He fakes it. He fakes it? Yeah. But for the majority of that scene, we are 
in close up on Nicole Kidman's face while he's speaking. reacting, and yeah. you can still hear him. You're right. Emoting. You're right. To yeah. like the stars. That's my favorite. That it's my favorite scene of the movie, hands oh, down. It's, it's very so good. good. Absolutely. <gasps> I was crazy. getting like a little bit of like Adam Driver because I think Adam Driver also has a weird way of uh-huh. delivering lines. That's what I was kind of seeing in that. Yeah. The young kid. But yeah, that scene. It's crazy. Oof. And then Nicole Kidman's great too. Just to like taking aside to talk about some of the performances, mm-hmm. I think there's even more to unpack about the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. But there's, uh, a, there's so much to unpack about this movie. I think the more we're unpacking it, the more I'm. We're, we're like, wait, then there's this, and then there's this. I'm thinking about how much I actually do like this movie because when you're watching this movie, it's very easy to just feel. And it, I think all of what we're talking about lends to it being an effective thriller. Like at its core, it's it's meant to be a thriller, yeah. right? It's hard and for me to even wrap my mind around that's the genre it's in. Because for me, it's a Lanthamos Lanthamos movie. Yeah, yeah. It's sure, like it's sure. another lobster. It's like well, like I call like even in my article, I call the lobster an absurdist love story. Sure. But I hardly even think about it. This is an absurd absurdist absur- thriller. Thriller for yeah. sure. Right. Right. For like yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. And I was I was curious if something he was, I don't I don't know if you. That, does that exist? Now it does. Now, now it does. does. Like, uh, well, I was I was curious. I remember when like I the so. when the kind of the initial credits are rolling on the beginning of the movie. I remember thinking to myself, "Is he going to do like kind of this absurdist hybrid genre thing where he where he does yeah. his take on a genre? Like you see, a love story is the lobster. This is a thriller, and and this is exactly what that is." And right. uh, it makes me excited to just be like, just whatever, whatever in the whatever future, the fuck he just does do heist movie, do it. Yeah. Right. I'm like, heist. <laughs> do it. Please. Also, I'm into it. I, we all need to see Dogtooth. Yeah. Oh, yes, we do. Let's get back together. We, we should all that. make and a point to see Dogtooth. We could do, do like kind of a, yeah. or some kind of retroactive something. thing for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm with it. Oh, man. Uh, continue your point. You um, about what I was talking about. Um performances yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean like they're all great nicole kidman like you know she kills it the kids are really good mm-hmm. um bob kind of grew with me he, he becomes more complex more interesting and then the daughter when she has her scene um at post crawling away from the house yeah. and her knees are bleeding like that whole like again like the, even the acting chops on her is yeah. insane like very talented super there, good there was a definite moment where i thought oh god this is how this movie's playing out. It is Kim, who has also faked being paralyzed to get away with Martin. And they are putting on this story mm. for the family to drive the dad insane. And I they're trying to like Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. It's almost crazy. It's so much crazier to have it that they are actually sick. Right. It's cra- and that and that's the thing I kept thinking. Well, that's the absurdist. That's the absurdist kind of point of yes. view. It's like right. no, no. It's 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 a real thing. They're not. You can't this. explain it, and you can't fix it unless you do what I told you to do. That line where he's like, "I'm going to make you eat your own hair if yeah. you're faking this," and he says, "Dad, I'm not faking this." Yeah, I'm not. It's not and that. he says it was so much confidence. He's and like, when they, "I'm not faking it." The, it was the scene where she's sitting in a wheelchair, right, and smoking a cigarette and yes. talking to Bob. And saying, I was "Can like, I have this when you're Holy dead. shit. Are these two kids plotting against their dad for something? Has Martin somehow gotten these two kids to do this to their dad as like they're all in on this and right. they're faking it to fuck with their dad? Like that was I had the same thought. In it's, that it's, it's until his eyes are bleeding that you really are like, this, this is, is fact. This was, is the real thing. It was actually pretty soon after that scene. Right. Where when I, she's like down in the basement. When she's like, she try was harder. Crawling try harder. at him. Yeah. yeah it. 
very quickly, but I, at that same moment, I had that same thought. I was like, Did holy guys... shit, are they both gaslighting their dad? Like, to do this? <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck. Did you guys have the notion, because I was thinking this kind of earlier in the film, Um, once the rules are kind of set in place, I'm thinking the whole time, so Colin Farrell has to kill himself. Mm-hmm. To say, we all thought that, right? But I also thought in he's going to try it much, because he doesn't yeah. want to have to make the choice, but it's not going to solve anything. But also, he's too selfish to right. even attempt to yes because the surgeon's never at fault right right exactly yes he puts the blame on someone else right i very much thought he was going to turn that gun I on think, himself during the scene i think the was... movie the cinematic language of the movie is trying to kind of posit that as well well sure. i think you as yeah. the viewer are thinking like so why don't you do that you're the hero of this movie you why should take you? the responsibility that martin is putting on you and yeah. and not put this cuz nicole kidman at some at some point when she, in the spaghetti scene where she yeah. confronts martin she says why is this on me and my kids right yeah and i think that sort of goes hand in hand with the thematic way that they approach sexuality where they're very much to be sacrificed mm-hmm. they are they are in a position of weakness they are this sacred deer yeah yeah, because really, even uh, Martin's mom, and I cannot remember her name. Is it mentioned? I cannot remember. Her mom's name? Or I don't like know actual, her name in the movie? I'm not sure. Yeah, Silverstone's character. Anyway. An understated performance. Absolutely. Yeah, she was so, she, she does she not have also a lot so to do good. in this movie, but that one scene is very good. Yes. Yeah, that whole Agreed. sacrificial sacrifice for whatever purpose. Once she had lost her husband, she was like, oh, I used to be heavy set. And I used to have brown hair. Don't you like me better now mm-hmm. that I cannot be sacrificed? Right. Now that I'm in control? Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. But she almost is trying to, to sacrifice herself to, to Colin I, Farrell I as think, well. I it like maybe not sacrifice. The instead of the hunted. Oh, interesting. That's I, cool way that's to look at it. That's how I saw it. Yeah. Maybe. I see it more as Colin Farrell's character owes something to And she's trying Martin to collect. And his mother and their family. Like... And Martin tries very much, he is obviously trying to set him up with his mother. He's like, yeah. please watch this movie with me. It's my favorite movie. Like, you, you come on. Ground you gotta stay. Like, it's also kind of like, yeah, exactly. I, won't, I won't have to have this curse be on your whole family if you just... Just you, fuck my just mom. Date my, can you just yeah, fuck yeah. my mom? Yeah, yeah. What's that line that he says? It's like, I'll oh, fuck you and your mom like you wanted me to. Oh my god. Yeah, which goes, Wild. I think, plays into the, the kind of idea that we have about the sexuality between Stephen and Martin in this. Is like, there is, and, and in the spaghetti, to go back to the spaghetti scene again. It's so good. It's in so a way, good. like, Martin is kind of dancing around the fact, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get between, like, my mother and Her Stephen next because, like, they could be really good together, but like obviously he's a good he guy. Has, he feels some sort of way about Martin as well. Like he 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 begs him to take his shirt off yeah. in the scene to see his hair, like yeah. his body hair. Yeah, there is something at play there. It's also really disturbing when he is having one of those first conversations that we see on the riverfront, where he says, "Ever since my dad died." My mom has been very attentive to me mm-hmm. and like we'd really help each other out or she helps me out and she really looks after me. Mm-hmm. And then he has that pause and then he says, and I help her too. Mm-hmm. Like, help her in what capacity? Right. Yeah. It's a very disturbing family dynamic that these two have, the mother and son coming into the preying on this other gentleman who <laughs> caused them the situation that they're in. And it's almost like, like Martin is the embodiment of. Stephen's guilt in both the the 
guilt for killing patients yeah. when it goes wrong on the surgical table and also maybe a latent like homosexual guilt mm-hmm. that Stephen might have with the, with the father and his dad. Yeah, maybe. In right. that like Martin is the constant reminder to him of, of like this both guilt those things. That he has. Yeah. I and also, he pushes that on him. He does. I think yeah. the I think before we kind of maybe commit or even kind of give more credence to this theory is that you know Martin kind of has the utmost respect for Stephen. He has he is in love with Stephen. He's in love with Stephen. And like I think that's like um what do we what do we make of this obsession and and a like genuine respect for Steven, well, I mean, a man beard, who's killed his father. That beard and that hair. It, de- it demands Come a certain. It demands a certain <laughs> level of respect already by having, if not affection. It's like the perfect amount of salt and the perfect amount of pepper. It's, it's like making. It's like making the perfect beef. It's it's fan- <laughs> chef's kiss. Yeah, Fanta- <laughs> fantastic. No one is judging. The beard should win an Oscar. <laughs> That's the scene. That's just the scene. The beard. Yeah, it's just a close up of him like. <laughs> Um, but w- yeah, what do we, w- I kind of throw this to you guys. Like what, what do we make of like, he clearly wants the tables to be even mm-hmm. right. between he wants something. He wants something. He wants, he doesn't, it, it's like he has no resentment for his father dying. He is just like, I think this guy, Steven's great. He could totally be my new dad. Right. But we just got to kind of figure this out first. It's, like, it, what do we make of this kind of angle? It needs to be he, It needs to be made right, I think, in Martin's eyes. Like, he, they, they are clear to state that the relationship between Stephen and Martin has gone on for several months. And Martin needs either a relationship, like a fatherly relationship. Yeah. Or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it's only when uh steven starts to pull away like he stands up martin at the diner that all of this is set in motion yeah right steven owes something to martin i think is the core idea of this whether it's you need to fuck my mom and like kind of be my surrogate dad or you need to pay attention to me yeah, you're either you filling to... this gap or you gotta fill this gap in this other way you either right. have to make it right i or not eye for an eye style or you need to be there for me which is still eye for an eye style right in a way yeah like you're responsible for the death of my father you either need to be my father or you need to kill one of yours one of your family right i think i'm selling myself more and more on this theory that i have going on that i feel like martin sees something in steven that he wants steven to come clean about Mm -hmm. whether it's the murder or his sexuality right and even when Martin is with Kim, and Kim is laying limp on the bed in her bralette and panties, mm-hmm. and he says, you are the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. But he's, maybe he has feels no like he has no interest. Sexually, yeah. Like, he can understand her beauty, but can't do anything with that. Right. And even in the spaghetti scene, where he's talking about, oh, all of these people kept telling me I, I, I ate spaghetti just like my father. But he wants to feel like special and important in his own life he he said even finding out later on that everyone eats spaghetti in the same way that made me more angry than when he died than when you killed my father or when steven your husband killed Killed my my father father. right and so yeah i think he feels that steven maybe doesn't necessarily owe him a death but owes him his honesty and i maybe 
Martin himself is feeling like, perhaps I am gay. I want to see a man that I admire also admit to what he is Mm -hmm. in its stead. So it could go either way. Yeah. He's the embodiment of that guilt. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't really know necessarily what to make of the mother in that circumstance. If we were to like really get into that, what the mother of that guilt means. Yeah. I mean, I think in the, in the film, there's just so much at play that I think it can kind of go, you know, maybe by the wayside even. I I think it's just hard to even in any point that we brought up in analyzing the movie, I think half of those, it's like really hard to capitalize or even hammer home any hey, any of them, sure, you know, because that's, sure. that's the kind, that's the absurdest nature of the film. That's also that's the true. point of this podcast is we are in Dissecting real time it. unpacking this. Oh yeah, like, we have had no time. We just saw this movie twenty minutes before we and started this, is, this podcast. This is a great movie to to do that to with. dive into Absolutely. and like take the guts out. You know, we are we are. We've not read any of the think pieces on this movie. No. We not have yet. not done... Well, I'm going to immediately after we finish this podcast. Save right about anything. Um, but, <laughs> Looking at you, AV Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shout out. Uh, but, like, we, this is a perfect movie for the whole point of this podcast where we sit down and without even having any opportunity to say to each other, did you like this movie or not? Yeah, we I would... Yeah. We unpack how we actually feel and where we think this movie is, like, what this movie is getting at yeah. on a deeper level. Yeah, Robbie, I will say that when we saw the the guild, yes, and we started talking about it, and like we got to what we wanted to get, and then we're like, I don't think there's any deeper we can necessarily go. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is the opposite. I think it's like oh, oh I think it's like a we rabbit hole. We probably have like three podcasts. Yeah, just I mean, I mean, I think that like there there's people who will see this movie and will have a perspective that none of us has even touched on, mm-hmm. right? And that's great. And that and like, listen, more power to them. And like. That's that's the great thing about just film. This is wine talking about art. It's the great thing about art and movies and film and everything is that it's it's up for interpretation and right. and that I think that's like a lot of the issue uh, we get mad about about people in the audience who who are just like this movie's dumb. That's it. They'll get it. Yeah, there are it's people just like, that are gonna bounce off this. It's like entirely. that sucks. And the thing is, like, I feel sad for you because I got to enjoy something because I gave it the time it deserved. Right. Right. And, and it, the thought. It, it needs that sort of... Yeah, dude. It like, needs that respect and attention to get on that level, I think. Yeah. Which is is why I will say this movie is not for everybody. Because no. you, it needs a level of focus and concentration that mm-hmm. not... A lot of films that's, necessarily get. Or not everyone has that sort of relationship with film. And that, again, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be really careful about the way I word this because it comes off as pretentious but i think that people, people have listen. different relationships with films right listen like people who listen to, not everyone who listens to music is a musician and like people right. who are like can really break apart music and sound and like maybe find kind of the beauty and the complexities that mm-hmm. are that that like me as not a musician could could not see in the music and, and that's okay um i like my taste in music i'm not a musician I don't know anything about music theory and that's, and that's okay. Right. But I think that's, I think that's like the kind of one of the more common allegories to what we talk about that I can bring to the table or even like just like regular kind of like physical, like artwork and paintings and things like that where we can all look at the same picture. And I, I can tell you right now, if third people look at that picture, third people are going to have different opinions on it. And it's going to be 30 different opinions more than that picture ever had with zero. And that's cool. Well, I, if you want to get more granular, like so the, most common joke about modern art, right? Is people yeah. look at it and are like, I, I don't get this shit. But it's three I, lines I on could, a fucking piece of paper. I could, do that. I could, do, I could that. do that, but you didn't. Right. right. And it takes 
I mean, that being said, I am guilty of this myself, like looking at modern art and being like, I don't get that. But in a way, it's that level of attention. Well, you're not that you, dismissing it. You're saying, I don't it's, get it. It's that level of, of yeah, of, that's the important part. Of engaging with something in a way right. that yeah. you, there's so much there. There's so much to this movie to be unpacked. Oh, yeah. But it requires a level of engagement that not everyone has that same relationship with film. Agreed. Yeah. Good thing we're friends. Good thing we it. do a podcast where we <laughs> sit down and try to unpack film. And we all generally have, like, not the same opinion, but we all kind of, like, we all like, we all like, opinion? we expect each other's opinion, we all like talking about it. I yeah. think the three of us and those two bottles of wine did a good job to get to how get to the core when we got to the when we got to the end of this movie i was like there is no drink i want more than wine yeah because sometimes you want a beer after you see a movie like after i see thor bring up thor ragnarok because we we just recently did an episode and like hey listen space bros the hulk goes into the episode it's great (laughs) it's a great episode kicking it back kicking it back with my space cracking open a cold one it's totally fine good um but this movie, I wanted a nice glass of thinking wine. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I got red. I wanted to chew on some red. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And honestly, leaving this movie, it, in the way that it's a thriller, it kind of left me a little bit stunned in the way that I was like, I don't even know how to unpack the themes of this movie. I think or, we did a really good the job. Actual, like, because... The actual core keep doing good of job, the dialogue maybe. of this oh, movie. Yeah. There's more to talk about. I think the movie really hams, like hammers home its like, kind of thriller aesthetic it didn't really land for me as a thriller until you see uh martin in the basement interesting i thought it landed yeah. as a thriller with the fact that it opened with that very in your Graphic. face yeah shot because i was like all right great this is the beginning I'm of the already movie. on my back foot fuck because typically i'm not a thriller horror watcher because i can't get spooked a little easily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i can't get grossed out i never get grossed out but I can get spooked with like jump scares and what have you. And yeah. that was the first shot of the film. And then I was like, all right, I'm on my toes the whole yeah. time. I'm already uncomfortable. See, right. for me, like for me, it was all it was just like another um, Lanthimos film. Sure. Until we kind of start seeing these these genre specific tropes, which is like being tied to a chair interrogation style. Like yep. these are thriller tropes, you know. Have you seen Prisoners? No, I've heard I would Not really. Seen I've heard I would really dig it though. It's heavy, just, heavy shades of prisoners in, in this, this one. Movie. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I really want to see it. I really like that you get that scene, multiple scenes of Martin in the basement. And that is, like, the only room in their house that is not for, like, presentation purposes. Right. Yeah. Which I find very interesting. And the fact that he is hidden in the basement, which might be levels of subtext for his character. Right. He's compartmentalizing yeah. that guilt. Yeah, All the way absolutely. away. And then how many of you guys thought the dog was dead when we saw the dog in the driveway? When she was looking at the, the car she when was she cleaning was, like, the cleaning car. The blood. Yeah. Yes. I, was, I like, also thought like, did affecting the dog? I did not, I did not think that because I, I like, it would have been very weird if they did well, that. The dog was laying there in a way that it very much looked, looked dead. like it was paralyzed or dead and I thought like man this guy just really likes to kill dogs in his films. Well, <laughs> favorite thing. It that's also, the one thing you yes, don't know about him. <laughs> that's for sure but it also have you guys seen um, um, Funny Games? Yes, I love mm. both versions of Funny Games. This movie gave me a lot of shades of Funny Games. I have games. not seen also, either version. Funny Games is one of my favorite films. Funny Games in the way that it, it plays with the thriller in such a clinical way. Like, the 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 Funny Games is a movie about home invasion. 
and it's about two men that uh, break into someone's home and the way that they sort of tell them um, the rules of what's happening. Right, and they they they're there as sort of a commentary on the entire home invasion trope. Yeah. Um, and it's so like matter of fact and mm-hmm. disconnected in a way that's very similar to this movie. Yeah, it's a very stark landscape mm-hmm. in stark Games. is a good way to yeah. And that first shot that you see of Steven and Anna's home where it's through the the window and they're going in to the home. It's like that window that's offset to the left of their front door. Mm-hmm. But what I found interesting already was that everything was symmetrical except for the chandelier. It was a little bit to, I think, like the left or the right. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit offset. Mm. It was like, ooh, this isn't like quite right. It's askew in a certain way. But yeah, I got Funny Games vibes almost instantly. Yeah. 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 And the the dog being dead, especially like this, the shot of the car, like her being outside the car and the dog being dead, it immediately like evoked Funny Games for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the dog got up. Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> which was thank surprising. Go- thank I thought goodness. it was dead. We don't I, need another dog. After death after John Wick, I've been good on dog yeah. deaths. Oh, I, yeah. Honestly, the lobster. I, we we all have our different scenes from the lobster that like hit you the most home. But mine was the dog death scene. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't like, I don't like. We this could one do an over drinkers on the the lobster because like after seeing the lobster, like the lobster is at heart a comedy, and it's very funny at times. But I think it's more it's it's a like kind of like a rom com in a way. Sort of. It's like well, like someone met someone on these weird circumstances. But this is not a lobster. It's terrifying. This is not a lobster <laughs> podcast, so I'm not going to spoil any part of the lobster. It's also like a weird bro movie. Too, sort of for the yeah. lobster. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bro-y. There's a little like yeah, it's like he has a squad kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a particular scene in the lobster that hit me yeah on, like, we've i think any other <laughs> talked about this off mic for sure yeah, yeah. and it, it happens in the like the ending which... of the movie is devastating on its own but there's a yes. particular scene which and scene, if Jack? if you've if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about probably but there's a scene that happens with a sort of tertiary character in that movie that it just fucked me up in a way like I don't think any other had movie to deal has. with a window sure. and maybe falling yeah, out of it. You know what I'm talking about oh, if you've okay. seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, I thought you were going to talk about the the teenage girlfriend scene. No. That scene kind of fucked me up in a way. I think everybody I has a different That's why I think cuz you like, come you well the thing about these movies is that they're so emotional you come at it with your own emotions so it links for different points for different people and that's cool i'll that's say great. explicitly there's a scene that has to do with suicide in right. that movie that fucked right. me up like yeah. i don't think any other movie has like i my jaw was agape yeah and my mine has to do with how... like the, the death of an animal which is like whew, yeah like, that's like hard hit too. me super hard yeah and see mine has to deal with like female friendship kind of going awry because you kind of see the competitor in that yeah. female friendship, because mm-hmm. as a female growing up, like you have competition oh, I know what you're talking about like, now. bred yeah. into you, mm-hmm. bred into you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeasty of you. <laughs> he, he gut punches everybody. <laughs> Everyone. The thing is, like, you know, part of the reason why I love talking about the lobster and I love the lobster as as a movie that makes me feel sad, um, but also why I wanted to write about it when I did is is because it's so ripe for dissection Mm -hmm. and 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 not in a pretentious way i I think it's like i think that's a good thing about his movies where i I don't feel pretentious like kind of dissecting it i kind of feel like i'm putting together like a million piece puzzle 
Don't you kind of feel like a little bit like Indiana Jones? Like it's your job to excavate on these films. That's how I feel about like really every. That's there? how I feel about every article I write. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, no, not the article, the film itself that you're writing about. Like, yeah, it's yeah, not no, a for sure. Thing like you no. just want to be good at your job. I was telling my um, I was telling my girlfriend about that the other day. I was like, I like feeling like a detective trying to find the secrets in the movie, mm-hmm. right. or like trying to prove a thesis. Which yeah, is really right. what you're trying to do, you know, like... Or trying to pull back the cu- the curtain sort of on artist intent. Like, yeah. where, what does the artist actually want you to pull from this movie? And also, mm-hmm. what can you as the viewer pull on your own yeah. because of your own experience going in? And I think right. these movies are cool because there's so many... There's a multitude of curtains to pull back and, and onion peels to open... Whereas, you know, and there's some movies which are great for their singular purpose of, like, a lot of people, since Thor Ragnarok came out, are talking about the kind of, like, post-colonialism aspects of the film, which is great. Um, I, I kind of feel like that might be the, the core onion peel to pull back on that movie, which is cool. But a movie like this is, like, there's some real layers happening, and, that, some and that's some, some cool here. stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think any artist intends to put something out there and then have the people that we saw the film with walk mm-hmm. out and be like, well, that was the dumbest thing I ever saw. That and sucks. that's probably yeah. that's going to be the I last thing that they think of that film. That, that, the thing is, like, and I think the artist's intent is that they're okay with that, too. Yeah. Because yeah. they make that's a movie totally like fine. this and just like, listen, if you want to just pay the $12 to see this movie and then leave halfway through because uh, you hated it so much. Whatever. Fuck you. It I don't care. $13.50. It was, uh, why was it, it so much expensive. money? And uh, multiple sheets of paper. A lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we killed a whole tree in our receipts that we got yeah, from buying the tickets. Yeah. I'm sorry, trees. I, I, I think, are bad. I think your ghost is okay if grandpa doesn't like this movie. That's true. Uh, he seems to be cool <laughs> He with seems that. confident enough. To it's like, well, they're going to make me make another one, and this time it is going to be a, a absurd size movie. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> that, I'd be down for... I'm down, a, he puts out movies listen, pretty quickly, too. I'm down I, for whatever, yeah. he, whatever he's working on right now. I'm in that I'm seat. Down. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. And, I'm like, you know, I was thinking, halfway through watching this movie, I was thinking, like, why do I do this to myself? Why do I like his movies so much? Why do I even like The Lobster? But then you get to the end of it, and you get to this microphone, and you talk about it, and you're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because and they're great. I am I can tell you right now, I'm actually... So I did the same thing that I did with Mother, in mm-hmm. that I worked out a time and a place to see this movie with some friends, some co-workers, to be specific. Yeah. You have some um, friends at work that you like to also see movies with. I, yes, exactly. Yeah. And I don't um, get jealous about it at all, like a boyfriend, and it's totally fine. Well, and I just get really mad... By the very nature of this podcast, I'm obligated to see it here first. Yes. And then if I'm going to see it with anybody else, then I can go see it with them. Because like the entire point of a hot take is I need to see it for the first time here. We have one rule with hot takes. (laughs) It's a very easy universe. Super easy rule to work with. Can't have seen the movie before. Can't talk to each other after we see it until we get in the microphone. Two rules. Uh, That's it. So I agreed on friday that i would go on wednesday to see this movie with some friends um and halfway through this movie i was like did i make a mistake (laughs) because do i want to put myself through this again i felt the same way about mother i was like do i want to see the difference is by the end of mother i agree with you by the end of this movie i'm like i could probably see this movie i think by the end of right now this discussion we're having i'm ready you're ready to see this movie right right, definitely but jack did you learn your lesson that's the the main key nope Nope. I did not. Oh, come on. Moral of the story? No. I didn't realize that you had seen this before. 
No, I haven't seen this before. Oh, this I'm one. saying I'm going to see this again. Oh, absolutely. He, we I, get like we it. get the first ring of it. I have a date to see this again. Gotcha, yes. gotcha. Yeah, I would not break the sacred rules of hot takes. Of the hot takes. Uh, We've given people shit. Oh, was it? There are times where your brother has been like... There's one instance. There's, there's it never has one, happened again. Only one recorded instance, and I won't out him on this, but there's one recorded instance where, where he Jeremy saw had seen a movie before we went to see it <sighs> together. Jeremy, Jeremy. Yeah, I know. And it's the worst episode we've done. It's so. the worst. You can tell. It's, yeah. it's, it's a fucking lie. <laughs> it's so terrible. Yeah. Well, Robbie, yeah. we did not get into the trailer before we started the second half. Oh, yeah, we were going right. to Maybe that. we'll close but, on this because we're going a little long. Yes, but, we yeah, are. Yeah. But uh, the trailer is Kim singing that song, and I mm-hmm. don't know the name of the is song. Is that it? Burn, 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 burn. And that is over the uh, top. Of other scenes of like people staring wistfully out windows and mm-hmm. like some a little bit of dialogue. People dragging um, themselves, like talking about anesthesiology right. and then dragging themselves. I thought And then so part of like in, Nicole Kidman saying like, I don't feel that we should pay the price for mm-hmm. what has happened. Mm-hmm. But it's her singing that song, that very breathy version, yeah. rendition of that song <laughs> yeah. over top of the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And it's like as as she ends that chorus like we will light it up 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 just for them to put it out 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 Uh Mm -hmm. and like i'm getting chills just talking about the trailer yeah the trailer was so well done yeah Yeah. you have to see that it's a very good i do i will probably watch it after this we did a um we did this on a coming attraction i said the one i must have missed again too it wasn't all of them that i missed yeah We'll get you on the next one, Bert. Okay. That's a promise. We've okay. been we've been. Talking Are we about in charge this. of that show? Well, we're no. in charge of all the shows. We've been talking about this. Technically, we're in charge of all the shows. We haven't done a coming attractions in a little while because there have not been a ton of like good. Kind of like well, I think well, we wanted to do it. Right. You know, we wanted to do it monthly, but you, you kind of realize you, you catch up real quick. We kind of hit monthly. the big ones. Yeah. Um, right. So coming to the end of the year as. The trailers for next year's stuff, big stuff, starts coming out. Yeah, we'll, all like those like end of the year yeah, Oscar, yeah, hard hitters. I mean, there's going to be some probably some big stuff coming out before. Yeah, we could um, do definitely do a January episode. We can even do like well, January. We're going to be busy coming up with like Oscar predictions, top five, top tens. Right. Someone's doing a top seventeen. He might be the programmer for Story Screen. I don't know. <laughs> Really, really, It'll be a good article when it comes out. I'm telling really you. quick because yes. we have this experience experience seeing this movie, and we'll really try to wrap it up here. But yeah. sure, sure. Speaking of trailers, there was a trailer for All the Money oh, in the yes. World before this movie started. That's not what it's called. No, uh, all it? the it's not all the money. It's it's a part of that phrase. It's all the or it's like the money in the world or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's called All the, all money, the money in the, in the world. world. No, 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 no. It's That's, not. Hold on, we have to do a uh, fact check this on. Fact right check now. that real quick. Right, keep it's, talking. Um, we'll talk about what it's about. So it's uh, who's directing that? Fucking Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott's directing yep. it. It seems to be a movie about a ransom for some billionaire's grandson. Grandson, mm-hmm. where she says, "Next true? time you step to me, Robbie, make sure you're stepping right." What all was the, the thing I corrected you on earlier today? Oh, you said that. Colin Farrell did not have his Irish accent in The Lobster. And okay. I told you, yes. fuck you. I was wrong about that. We're even. We're even. That's just the way it is. Oh, gosh. It's totally an eye fine. for an eye, a bite eye for a bite. Eye for an eye, bite for a bite. <laughs> Much right. like the themes of this movie. It's yes. come full circle. Um, but Kevin, Kevin Spacey is, is in the trailer. Still in the trailer. Still in the trailer. Bro. Because right now, they're that. shitting their pants putting Christopher Plummer in that movie. I, right. But I'm very... I'm just... More than anything, I'm surprised that they showed that trailer. The trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they should have pulled all of those trailers. I'm very 
curious or, to see how that movie comes out. Well, I wasn't going to see it before. Now, now I'm kind of like, I'm very interested. It's yeah. bananas that they're still trying to hit the December 22nd release date. Oh, on that movie. It's crazy it's that bananas. movie didn't get delayed. It's bananas. It's crazy. That's a much, much bigger conversation, I think, about the entire state of the industry right now. Yeah. Which maybe we, we maybe to, could do a podcast I think, on. I've been thinking about this. I would I love to do that, actually. I think we should probably do a podcast on that. Now that this is like recorded on air, now we have or to. Or maybe we can kind of like state... But our stances. We, and, well, if anything, I, that's their stances. Unpack it a little bit. Yeah. Unpack it. Okay, that's about. That's definitely a better way to yeah. phrase it. If for anything, sure. I was very surprised that when the trailer was airing, I thought like, "This is where the trailer is going to cut off. This is where it's going to cut off." They nope. could have still released that trailer. <laughs> there's so and many just cut off like the last. But there's nope. also so many scenes like where you're where you're like night. behind Kevin Spacey's head and or to the side of him, and I kept thinking like, "Oh, they're not," because you actually don't see him for a while. It's like a reveal that's like. Kevin Spacey's in this movie. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, they could have totally just cut it off and said, like, and also Christopher Plummer, not even show him, but say, like, and Christopher Plummer as so-and-so, and then this is the film. Well, probably by the time they released that trailer... Or like sent that trailer sure. along with this movie. Sure. It was long before all this had happened. Yeah, right. the, the, the reel of this movie was done but if you before wanna, this happened. You want to back up before, like, all the allegations and Kevin Spacey's career toppling down like a house of cards oh you like that Ooh, i've heard of, I, you're not the first i'm not the first it. one to say that but like, <laughs> it's pretty obvious to make that connection. uh yes um, i appreciate that you did i mean his, you know, his nine lives are up yeah. Ooh, what an american beauty he used to Ooh. be <laughs> you need to, Sorry, end, need to end this podcast we're getting too wine drunk uh um Ridley Scott did the same thing that he is he has sinned in the past of doing of <laughs> casting a fucking 50-year-old actor to be an 80-year-old when you could have just cast an 80-year-old in the first place. Yeah, that's no, a, why would you do that? 80-year-old symptom of the problem. Well, I didn't I thought 80-year-olds don't right I thought 80-year-olds don't exist. We don't have them. <laughs> they do. <laughs> we saw them at the theater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But there are many of them in Hollywood that are just fine, that are great actors, that are in their twilight years, that are ready to give some of their best performances of their lives. You don't need to cast a 50-year-old actor. I don't know. Actually, know how old Kevin Spacey is. He's probably in his He's 50s. like in his, like, I think he's in his early, early 60s. 60s yeah. Yeah. Is he? Okay, fine. But still, it's fine. why do you cast <laughs> someone 20 years old, younger than you actually want for that role and then just put a shit ton of makeup on them? What is the fucking point? They did the same thing with Prometheus with... um. I didn't see Prometheus. Oh shit! I only the saw the really good sequel. From uh, Memento, what's the actor's name? Uh, oh, uh, Chandler, you're my bird here, please. No. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Ooh, they put, I really, I really oh, like that was Birch talking, you. not me. You funneled him. You channeled him. I was like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I really want you guys saw my for <laughs> the visual gag. You guys saw me be like, <laughs> yeah. You you astral projected into Mike Burgess' mind, who is currently seeing Killing of a Sacred Deer. He right is. Now. That's he is. a fun fact. Burgess is seeing Killing of a Sacred Deer right, right now, now, and that's awesome. That's awesome. He's yeah. probably uh, dealing with a lot of better movie. He's already <laughs> knows. He's, he's just he knows exactly audience. what the movie's about. <laughs> I mean, for him, hopefully there was no one. I knew job. they were going to shoot the sun ever since the movie began. Right. <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, yeah, fuck. well, no. Did no one see Beginners and see how awesome Christopher Plummer is? Like, cast him. Like, it doesn't matter that he's not the big enough name. You should right. have put him in that film. My point is that Ridley Scott in Prometheus cast Guy Pierce as old yes. Wayland, 
yes. and then put him in old person makeup. Right. There's no reason for that other than to put him in Alien Covenant as, as like younger normal, guy Pierce. Normal sure. guy Pierce. I guess. Yeah. Like, just cast an older actor. It's fine. Anyway, that's besides the point. So we were talking about the trailer. And right. the breathiness of, <laughs> of Kim, yeah, sure. that character. And then I found it so compelling that you have that one scene, hilarious scene, where the camera is, like, zooming out of her saying, me, 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 me. Right. And she's not going any different in oh, optics. Oh, she's not in key at all. And yeah. She's like, not in key. I love that scene where it's like, oh, you're doing oh, really gee, good. You're not a good singer. I'm sorry. It's okay. And, but, well. and then uh, Steven says to her, like, oh, yeah, your breathing is getting better, which breathing is also integral to mm-hmm. living. Mm-hmm. Which mm. I found very fascinating. He is so concerned with her breathing status, living status as well, and that she becomes, like, this person to watch in the third act of well, the he film. Well, he like, can't absorb what, what she's doing as art. He absorbs it as like, well, I'm a doctor, so I understand what you're doing as a very good breath exercise. It's clinical. Exactly. All yeah. of it is so clinical, but so removed, so I, um, I mean, even talking about the kids again, we're, I can't believe we're diving back into the movie. Um, oh, but we even were talking about it up. We were trying. We were, but, <laughs> uh, okay. Keep going, keep going. But, um, you know, from the beginning of the movie, if he had asked me which kid was going to die, it's the son. Because he seems to have the most animosity towards the sun which kind of makes like listen when he's doing russian roulette around the circle of kids i thought that bullet was either going into him or it was going to go into the sun yeah and that's the thing and it reminds me a lot of um it comes at night uh maybe i don't want to get too into it because i don't know if you saw it spoiler i have not seen it. okay um but maybe if if you you have seen it and i think jack kind of knows where i'm going with it too will be in my top five there's there's just kind of like a decision in the movie where you're like, you either think they're going to be too terse and not do it, or they're going to go for it and they go for it. And they it's it. traumatizing. Yeah. Um, but okay. this movie is exactly that too, where you think like the cop out is for him to kill himself. The real dramatic choice is to kill one of the three. And the real choice that the movie has been telling you from the beginning is to kill the son. I thought it was even more harrowing that he has blindfolded the family members. Yeah. But then also, when the shot goes off, we as viewers don't see like the entry point. They cut away of kind that, of. Yeah. Of that wound, we just see the the bleeding coming out of the covering of the face. So we right. see his body bleeding, but we don't see where it goes. But in. it's also it's like putting like removing the guilt from us as viewers. If you hit a deer, if you hit a deer with your car, yeah, and they're still alive, what do you do to it? You're supposed to call. You put it out of its misery. Not true. True. If you have a gun you know what in I mean? your car, but so like, who's the most injured at the end of the movie out of the three? Well, you mean the son. The son. The son is the one who's the most. He's the most yeah. sick. So they have to kind of put him out of his misery. But right, if he right. if he really buys into, he's the most miserable though. If he really buys into what Martin is telling him, even if he kills the wife or the daughter, even if the son's eyes are already bleeding, it will all stop. It will resolve yeah, itself. So yeah. It's true. But I, doing, I think that's like a dear logic to kind of bring to the table. Mm-hmm. The He's title. the most wounded of He's the, the most three. wounded of He's the three. The, the most he, physically he's wounded. He's progressed the furthest. In yes. Him. Yeah. Yeah. But although he seems like he is the most not wounded by telling his dad, like, who is your best friend? Oh, I have two best friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a guy and a girl in my class. It's good to have a lot of friends. And, yeah. And so yeah. he's telling his dad, Which like, is totally I'm not different. wounded. Totally different from what he his mentality. He tells Martin, Martin at the beginning of the, f- the film where it says it's more important to have. He, Martin says to him, "It's more important to have good a friends, few good friends, rather than a lot, a lot of friends. friends." Yeah, 
and he agrees. And then later he says to Bob, uh, it's, it's good to have a lot, a of, lot of friends. friends. Yeah. Similar to how, like, the first interaction you really see between Martin and Stephen is Martin saying, oh, I saved my fries till last. Mm-hmm. And then Stephen says, why do you do that? Because he doesn't know why he does that. Mm-hmm. And then Martin says, oh, because fries They're are my favorite. favorite. He's like, me and too. And I save them. And he's like, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, like, an acceptor of whatever tells, like, whoever tells him yeah. what, he's like, this is how I have to be. Yeah. I yeah. think I think maybe the, the key difference between the lobster in this movie is that some of the absurdism kind of like folds in on itself and really makes sense for these characters in this movie. Whereas in the lobster, like I do think there's more um, kind of things left hanging and unanswered on purpose. I think those still exist in this film. I think that's the nature of like, if you're doing absurdism in like visual media, you have to have like some tendrils just flaying about. Sure. But uh, I do think lobster leaves some hanging. Whereas this movie even through the more we talk about it. Maybe there's even more research for me to do in The Lobster, which I won't be doing anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Take a step away from The Lobster. Uh, you know, I, it's a six-page article. It's on yeah. the site. Uh, Check it out. Step away from The Lobster, uh, Robbie. No more. No more. Well, ultimately, I will say I have thoroughly enjoyed this film, especially once discussing it with you guys. Yeah. yeah I really yeah. like getting into it, and I think I'm going to find more to yeah. think about. The longer it goes on, and I very, very, very much enjoyed this film. We'll have an active group chat yeah. going forward. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie to chew on. For like, sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm really excited to hear Burgess' take on it. I really oh, want to know what, what <laughs> Grandpa and friends had to say about it at the dinner that they went to. At Perkins? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they probably yell at a waitress for not getting the right pancakes. Oh, but like, it's oh, fine. they just, right, they right, just right, ruined right. everyone's day. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you they very much. They parked in two spots <laughs> as opposed oh, to man. one. Well, there's no handicap spots left, and I'm old. Oh, all right, sorry, <laughs> Don't be ageist. Yeah, right. Uh, You're right. <laughs> oh, no. uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, I'm Jack Kolodzewski. Robert Anderson. Bernadette Gorman. Um, we'll be back... For more, um, if you are interested in more, you can go to storyscreenbeacon.com. Check out all sorts of articles, reviews, podcasts, and the like. Um, boy, man, we're having a hard time wrapping this one up. Oh. I just always, there's just always more we can talk about. There's always more we can talk about. Um, go see this movie again. If yeah, you, you listen to this whole episode please. and you haven't seen the movie, man, why? Yeah, don't why? Do that. Don't do that. Please. They haven't. They like, haven't. We're, we're right? painting a picture with our words, but you need to see. You the should full see picture. the actual picture. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, if you guys really like the movie, though, get in touch with us. Let's talk about it. Yeah, please do. Please reach out. Yeah, um, if you listen to the show, we like to talk to you. Like, share, subscribe, comment. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on all that shit. You can definitely find us. If you think this movie is a hot pile of trash and you want to talk to us about it. We can maybe have a dialogue. Tell yeah. us why. Tell yes, us please. that. Tell us why. More than anything, you're it's you're totally inclined. You're you're entitled to your entitled opinion. to say this movie is hot trash. And back it up. That's all you're inclined. <laughs> just just back it up. Yeah, that's all we say. That's um, it. All right, cool. Thank you again for listening. Uh, good night. Bye. See ya. Peace. Bye, guys. Also, I need a cup of your blood. We'll talk about that later. One blood, please. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The wine's working.